Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. We're going to be going to Mark chapter 15 in just a moment. And so uh, if you'll get ready and open your Bibles, maybe get a little notepad or something. Because today, I'm going to challenge you to do two things. I'm going to challenge you to get two things from the message today. One for you and one for somebody else. Okay? One that you can put into your life that's going to make your walk with Christ a little uh, richer, a little more you know, uh, valuable, a little more powerful for you. And then something that you can carry around with you this week, uh, intending to give it to someone else. Because, you know, just like Jesus telling the disciples, you know, go into the town, you're going to see a man carrying a water pot. You know, he knew that. Well, somehow, I just know that somewhere in your week, you're going to encounter somebody that's going to need to hear something that you heard this morning. You can feed somebody, you can help them, you can touch uh, them in a place where, where God wants to touch them just by carrying something simple this morning that you've heard and sharing it with someone that you know needs it. So, Mark, actually we're going to be Mark chapter 16 instead of Mark chapter 15 this morning, okay? And today, again, you know, this is Resurrection uh, Sunday, and the, the, the title of my message today is Surprise! Surprise. Okay, come on now. Surprise. Yeah, woo, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I hope that I can share a couple of things this morning that perhaps you've never considered before because there are so many facets to the Word of God. And even though we've been reading the Word of God and, and hearing these Easter Sunday morning services, and I've been preaching them for 40 years, uh, yet I keep running across things that I didn't know or things I hadn't seen or, or you know, opportunities to, to learn something new and fresh. And I think it's going to be that way this morning. All right. Now, last week, whenever we left church last week, we were on our way home, and Brenda said to me, she said, you left Jesus dead. <laughs> you know, because I preached on the crucifixion last week, you know. <laughs> she said, you left him dead. She was a little bit disappointed. She didn't like that. She didn't like the Jesus in the, in the tomb. I said, well, you know, that wasn't me. That's, that's where he went after the crucifixion. Dead, buried, in a tomb, you know, stone rolled. It was done. Okay? Well, guess what? This week, and I promised her, we'll get him resurrected. All right? All right. Mark chapter 16, verse number 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come, or excuse me, they bought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus. Okay? Now Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record different uh, viewpoints and the same account but they add different reflections. It seems as though that the day before when Jesus had been crucified, 
He was crucified about 9 o'clock in the morning. I believe it was a Friday morning. 9 o'clock in the morning, at noon it gets dark, and at 3 o'clock he cries out and dies. This was a surprise to everyone because normally it took, you know, as, you know, from, from you know, hours to days for people to die from crucifixion because they would ultimately just run out of the ability to push themselves up on that spike so that they could breathe. And as they would slump down, they couldn't breathe. They'd push themselves, and that would happen for days. Well, Jesus spent those six hours on the cross taking the sins of the world upon him. And when he died, it was almost the Sabbath. It was, you know, say three hours from three o'clock to six o'clock. That's not a lot of time because in that time, a man named Joseph, who was a wealthy man, who was a secret disciple of Jesus, he went to Pilate and he asked Pilate, can I claim the body, the dead body of Jesus of Nazareth? And Pilate said, well, what do you mean? He's not dead. I mean, it's, it's not time. It's only been like, you know, six hours. It, it can take days for this to happen, certainly a lot of hours. So Pilate sent one of the Roman soldiers to go to the cross and verify that Jesus was actually dead. When he came back, he said, hey, Pilate, he's dead. Well, it was a surprise. So Pilate says, okay, Joseph, you know, you can have the body. Because we're a little concerned here about him, you know, uh, somebody stealing his body and stuff. And so Joseph takes his body. And he was joined by a man, another rich man, you find in John chapter 3, named Nicodemus, who was also a secret disciple of Jesus. Two wealthy and very influential men. But the Bible says they did not come to Jesus and they did not hang around Jesus during the daytime. They only... Uh, hung around him at night. Why? Because they didn't want to spoil their reputation. They were wealthy and they were prominent and they just didn't want to, to end up with people thinking that they, you know, were one of Jesus' followers. But when he died, when they saw what happened on the cross, they were compelled. And Joseph got his body, and Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of, of spices and myrrh and aloes, and, and they took Jesus over to Joseph's tomb that was right next to uh, Golgotha. And, and there, uh, th there had been a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock, and, and no man had ever laid in it before. And there they put the body of Jesus, and quickly, you know, put spices on the body and, 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 and wrapped the body in linen and buried him and rolled the stone over just before sundown. That takes a lot of time. And they only had before sundown because at sundown the Sabbath started and it was against the law to be moving around, working, doing things, especially burying dead folk. Well, the Bible says that the women who followed Jesus they hung out close to see where the body was going to be laid. And once they saw that that's the tomb they're putting Jesus in, you know, John records that they hurried that evening into the city and those ladies bought some spices and bought a few things because they wanted to embalm 
Jesus properly, embalm his body. They were expecting, you know, Jesus died. I mean, he's he dead. He's gone. But they had to get out of the city before the gates closed for Sabbath. So they hurried home, hurried back to Bethany. Well, then the Sabbath began that Friday night at sundown. And it went until Saturday night at sundown. And evidently, according to Mark, they had to go out after sundown on Saturday night and buy some more spices. When the Sabbath was passed, verse 1 says, they went and bought spices. John says they bought some before the Sabbath. And Mark says they also bought some after the Sabbath. Must have been kind of a hurry. And this does not read in the Greek that they had bought. It reads, it's an heiress. It says they bought. This is something they're doing. Okay? That's how we know that they went out and did it. Okay? So these three ladies bought spices that they might come and embalm Jesus. Well, verse 2. Next morning, Sunday morning, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, a Sunday. You know, Sunday is not the weekend. Sunday is the week beginning. Under the old covenant, you worshiped God at the end of the week for all that he did. In the New Testament, we worship Jesus in the beginning of the week to dedicate our week to him for all that he's going to do. We are excited. You know, we are not, as, as a church, we are not a refrigerator to, to preserve all that he did. We're an incubator for all that he wants to do, for the people he wants to reach. And so here, very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked, verse 4 says, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Again, surprised. Yeah, he would have been too. <laughs> okay. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? <laughs> wow. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Wow. Now, let's, let's stop there just a moment. You know, his disciples and Peter... Is Peter not a group of part of the disciples anymore? Well, you know, Peter did deny Jesus three times and even cursed and said, I never knew him. And of course, Peter is the influence behind the gospel of Mark. Mark was not a disciple. Mark was, was a young man. And he later connected with Peter and worked with Peter and was on missionary journeys with Peter. And even though we know that Mark is responsible for the pinning of this gospel, we believe, I believe, and most scholars believe that it was Peter, not Mark, who dictated this. And so Peter, there are some things in the gospel of Mark, like, for example, the rooster crowing twice. 
that no other gospel records. But from Peter's perspective, that was pretty important. So here from Peter's perspective, he did not at this time perhaps count himself as one of the disciplined followers of Christ because everyone ran away, but he denied even knowing him. He didn't feel worthy. So go and tell his disciples and Peter. Have you ever felt lonely, left out of the crowd, apart from where you were, separated from what you know you are and you know you were and you intended to be, but yet all of a sudden something belies you and, 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 and you're outside, you know, uh, and, and you know, you don't feel worthy to be a part of that group, worthy to be in church, worthy to be, you know, in a family. All of a sudden you see yourself in a little dimmer light than perhaps Jesus sees. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. And uh, as he said to you, verse 8, So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, basically because they were afraid. Verse 9, Now when Jesus rose Early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Wow. Now, it's interesting to me to note a few things as we read along here in Mark's account of the resurrection. The first thing is, uh, is, is that these women went out shopping, okay? They went out shopping probably right after the crucifixion and they hurried home and the next morning they went out shopping again. What were they doing? They were getting spices. They were getting perfumes. They were getting, you know, uh, all these things that it took to properly embalm the body of Jesus. Now here they spent time. They hurried. They put some thought to it. They, you know, spent effort. You know, spent money. They spent their money. They spent their time. They spent their energy on something they would never need. Something Jesus would not use. They bought something for Jesus that he didn't need. That he didn't want. <laughs> that he would never use. Wow. Isn't that amazing? To think about that. Surprise. <laughs> okay. Next. The next thing that really intrigues me about this, this account and this moment is at sundown, right after Jesus died, three hours later, sundown, when sundown happens, Sabbath happens. Now, Sabbath, don't get confused about Sabbath. Sabbath was the Jewish day of worship. You know, it was, it was, it was Jewish church day. It was church. In fact, you couldn't do anything but go to church. Okay? I mean, you had to go to church, you had to worship, you had to, you know, I mean, you, you, you couldn't work, you couldn't, you know, uh, do any. I mean, you went to church. It started at sundown. There was a service at sundown on Friday in the temple in Jerusalem. And this was a very, very special service because it was a Passover service. It was not, you know, not just what they call Shabbat Haggadah, 
which means the big Sabbath. This was the Passover Sabbath. This was the king of all Sundays, as we were to put it in our world. Okay, The king of all church services. They're going to have themselves a church in Jerusalem with all these people from all over the world. The place was packed out. And the high priest, no doubt, was in his finest duds. And there he was, you know, sharing the word of the Lord. And all the scribes and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees all dressed to the nines. They're in church that Sabbath, you know. Wow. You know, can you imagine? And, and, and they're in that temple where the veil was torn. Where perhaps there might even be some earthquake damage. Can you imagine that? That temple, uh, the veil was torn. A way had been made into the presence of God. Uh, there that day in the temple, when they had church that night, and when they had church all day, day on, on a Saturday, different people preaching and teaching and, and burning incense and praying and sharing and, and all the, I mean, it, it, it was a lot going on in church. It was a whole church day. And they were in a church where any person at any time could have walked past the high priest and into the Holy of Holies, right there where God had placed the mercy seat, and they could have been saved and eternally forgiven. They had access to the presence of God at any time. At any time, any of those people could have just walked right into God's throne room and been saved forever. But not one person did. Not only were the high priests there, the same high priest that had just lied on Jesus and crucified him, but also, most likely, all those other people that he had paid to lie, all those other people that had accused Jesus, all those other people that had said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, they were in church that morning, ready to hear the word. Come on now, get a picture of this with me. All those people who said, we have no king but Caesar, are sitting in church, listening to the word. All clean on the outside, but full of lies, hypocrisy, and sin, and hatred, and division on the inside, hiding it all sitting there with a smile on their face, listening to the high priest give his Passover message. Like I am today. <laughs> sitting in their pew. Isn't that funny? Okay, never mind. Sitting in their seats. Surely this Sabbath service must have been a sad disappointment for God. I bet they expected God to be there. I bet they expected God to approve of their hatred because they had reasons, of their lies because they had reasons. I bet they expected God to show up and bless them. But you know, <laughs> No, 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 no. They were just going through the motions of church full of sin on the inside, with no intent to repent. Wow. 
I wonder what the priest preached on that morning. I bet it didn't include a message on repentance. What are you going to bet? I bet it didn't include an altar call to stop lying and cheating and, and, and hating. I bet it didn't include an altar call to come on down here and get your life right with God. Probably not. Okay. Third thing that I saw in this message. Mark recounts that on the third day after the resurrection, when Jesus, you know, uh, uh, rose from the grave, that he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And she went and told the disciples. But sometimes, sometimes people are so covered and so aware of their pain they're so aware of their disappointments. They're so aware of their hurt. They're so aware of, 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 of the situation that they are in, and they feel as though that there's no way out of this situation. And sometimes people are just so trapped in their own moment uh, that they cannot imagine that Jesus is really alive. They refuse to believe. <laughs> because if they had believed... Come on now, think about this. If Jesus was really alive, <laughs> all of their fear was for nothing. Come on. If Jesus is really alive, their problems just got real small. Okay, so what can we take? What does this message teach us today? Now, I'm talking to you, okay? not talking to the people that aren't here. I'm not talking to the people that aren't listening. I'm talking to you this morning. What does this teach us? Number one, from studying this, I have learned that nothing we do for Jesus is a waste of time and money. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of my money. It's not a waste of our money. Nothing we do, even if he doesn't use it. Okay? When we have a heart that is right with him, and... Sometimes we, we work real hard for something, and it looks like it almost turns out nothing. But you know, that doesn't matter to Jesus. It's the heart we do it with. Do you remember there's a story in, in, in the Old Testament about King David and his mighty men? One day, when King David was running from Saul, King David just mentioned, he just said it almost like he was saying it under his breath. He said, oh, oh, how I wish I had a drink from the well that's in Bethlehem. A well that he drank from when he was a young boy. But he was disallowed going into public because Saul was trying to kill him. And in Bethlehem, there were garrisons of Saul's soldiers looking for David and looking for his men. Well, in the nighttime, if you read the story, it's a marvelous account. In the nighttime, three of his mighty men... They braved the danger and risked their life. And they went into Bethlehem and drew water out of that well. And they brought it back to David. And David said, where did you get this water? They said, from the wells of Bethlehem. David said, oh, no. And he poured it out. <laughs> poured it out? 
I risked my life for that. <laughs> you, know, you don't know what we did to get you that water. We thought you wanted water. <laughs> Just poured it out. Talking about disrespecting me. I just worked hard. I just gave it my all. I just risked my life. No, thank you. You see, David valued their lives more than he did the water, and he could not bring himself to drink the water at the expense of having risked their lives. It was actually a, you know, a respectful, a very respectful thing he did, not disrespectful. But sometimes we can see things through our own eyes, as these ladies could have. Well, now what are we going to do with all these spices? Well, wait, there's something bigger here. There's something much bigger here. You see, because it's always going to be something so much more wonderful when we put what we do, what we did, what we have, in the hands of Jesus with a heart of trusting him I'm certain that they had rather him been alive than use their spices nothing we do for Jesus is a waste of our time number two there is a huge difference between going to church and being the church talking about that Sabbath service where they were going through the motions, and it was, the, it, it was a high Sabbath. It was a holy day. And here, you know, most likely the preacher was preaching his best sermon, and, you know, and, and everybody was probably shouting and cheering, and, and things were going on. I mean, it was a packed house. But they were just going to church. They certainly weren't being the church. There's a big difference between just going through the motions between appearing on the outside as though we are doing everything right but on the inside are filled with dead men's bones what's on your inside what's on the inside it's not what you do on easter sunday it's what are you going to do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? What are you going to do Saturday? Are you going to just go to church? Is that going to be your connection with God? Or are you going to be the church? There's a song that was written and performed in the early 80s by a Christian artist named Don Francisco. Okay? The name of the song is the steeple song. I used to sing this in the first church I pastored. If there was an acoustic guitar, I'd grab it. Okay? Still wouldn't be any better. But uh, listen to these words. In fact, uh, here's what it says. I don't care how many buses you own or the size of your sanctuary. I don't care how, or it doesn't matter how steep your steeple is if it's sitting on a cemetery. I don't care if you pave your parking lot and put pads up on your pews. What good is a picture-perfect church when you're missing all the cues? I don't care if your pastor's super-powered and your program's always new. What you need is love and truth, and men are going to come to you. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible, if it's all just in your head. The thing I need to ask you is, have you done the things I've said? 
do you love your wife? For her and for your children, are you laying down your life? And what about the others? Are you living as a servant to your sisters and your brothers? Do you make the poor man beg you for a bone? Do the widow and the orphan cry alone? It doesn't matter if your sacrifice of praise or it says it doesn't matter if you pray for miracles. It doesn't matter if you speak with tongues. It doesn't matter if you said you love me with every song you've sung. It doesn't matter if your sacrifice of praise is loud enough to raise the dead. But the things I need to ask you is have you done the things I've said? Do you love your wife? For her and for your children are you laying down your life? And what about the others? Are you living as a servant to your sisters and your brothers? Do you make the poor men beg you for a bone? Do the widow and the orphan cry alone? Lord, when, did we, when were you a prisoner and we did not come to you? When did we see you thirsty, Lord, and we did not follow through? And then Don Francisco would drop his voice and say, Every time you bowed your head and pretended not to see, when you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. Do you love your wife? For her and for your children, are you laying down your life? What about the others? Are you living as a servant to your sisters and your brothers? Do you make the poor men beg you for a bone? Do the widow and the orphan cry alone? What about the others? You see, there's a difference between going to church and being the church. I just can't imagine how sad it must have been to see all those people in attendance in the temple that Sabbath without a clue as to why God really wanted them to be there. It would be like having a church filled with people today. Church online with thousands upon thousands watching without a clue as to why God drew you here. Why does God want you to connect to the church? Why has God chosen to make the body of Christ an important power in the earth? It's not just so we can come and look good. It's so that we can go out there and be good. I hope our church services and, you know, I hope we're not just, you know, worshiping Jesus while the dead body is across town right down the street, bruised and broken, and we're paying no attention to why. Well, hey, a third thing. Number three. If Jesus is really alive, this is what I got from this, this word. This story. If he's really alive, if Jesus is really alive today, my problems just got smaller. Come on now. My problems just got smaller. I have an answer to all of my problems and the dilemma and the pressures. It doesn't mean it, 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 it's going to be all easy, but it does mean at the end of the day, I know who wins. I know where I'm going. I know what it takes. I know that my Savior, that my Redeemer lives and on the earth again shall stand. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. 
He's victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that's why we're here today. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, we are powerful. The church, even after 2020, the church of the living God is larger, it's more powerful and more productive, it's growing faster and going farther, it's doing more today than ever in the history of the world. Today, somewhere between 65,000 and 100,000 people will give their lives to Jesus Christ for the very first time, feeling the conviction of Jesus Christ that He is alive. Amazing. Nothing you do for Jesus will be a waste of time. When you share the word that you have received today with someone else this week, when something just touches your heart and you share it, don't be moved by what they do or don't do. It's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of time to give your time, your energy, your effort, your resources to Jesus, even if it doesn't turn out like you thought it would. Let me tell you, when you do something for Jesus, it's going to turn out better than you thought it would. Jesus encourages us to attend church, but he also expects us to follow him during the week. You know, it, it's so important that we are the church every day. The resurrected Jesus is bigger than my problems, bigger than my pain. He is alive. So with that, let me tell you, happy Resurrection Day. I hope you got something for yourself and something for someone else. Now it's your job to put it into practice. Happy Resurrection Day. We're going to leave here in just a little while, and I'm going to encourage you to go and celebrate and share the good news with someone else because others need to know Jesus. Others need to repent. That's what the priest should have been preaching that Passover morning. He should have been preaching repentance. Why? Because he was talking to a bunch of people who weren't perfect. So that's probably what I need to tell you as well. Repent. Repent. Have you repented of your sin? Have you told God that you are sorry for not obeying Him, following Him? for not being the witness you should be. Have you repented of your sin? That's where it begins. If the priest that day would have preached the message of the resurrected Christ, I can imagine that tens of thousands of people would have absolutely heard the word, repented, and given their life to Christ. That's my prayer for you today. Have you repented of your sin you can be born again right now you can ask Jesus into your heart and in your life right now all it takes is that simple recognition which you have that Jesus is alive he's real the word is real then you just turn you turn from your own designs and you turn to his it doesn't mean that your job will change. It doesn't mean that your life, you know, will, 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 will take on some different, you know, uh, pathway or that you have to move to some foreign country and become a martyr. 
What it does mean is that Jesus will move into your life and become your Lord and your Savior when you turn to Him and ask Him to come into your heart. Receive Jesus Christ. Recognize, repent, and receive Christ this morning. No one else but you can do that for you. Do it now. Happy Resurrection Day. God bless. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.